I'm Brie. Um, I killed myself and was brought back to life. <laughs> um, so a lot about it. Um, it kind of like started out like when I was a child, like I didn't have the easiest upbringing. Um, and so I, I kind of built this um, wall since I was very young because something like very traumatic happened to me. And it brought me to a state of like kind of disassociation mm -hmm. for like most of my childhood. And like the only things I remember are the bad things because like they stick out so bad. Yeah. So like a lot of like um, problems with like my father um, and, you know, I grew up like around alcoholics and um, addicts that like as a kid, you don't know that they're drug addicts because you're like i'm seven i don't know what that yeah. means um and so i had this best friend named molly and um i'm not gonna say the name of her sister but we were all best friends and like the best way i would describe molly is like half of my heart that's how i always described her and um something happened and i ended up like losing molly um not death but uh like she got taken away from me um and I didn't get to say goodbye so from then on like that happened when I was 11 so from then on it was just fucking downhill babes <laughs> um and so like then after that you know I went downhill and um I went into sixth grade so I was like turning 12 and um, I have like severe anxiety. So I ended up like having anxiety attacks constantly being at school. And I ended up attempting suicide at 12 years old um, because I was like, I'm so young. I didn't know like how to fix it. I didn't know yeah. what to do. I was just like, I'm sad. It's crazy to me, though, always to hear, like, that kids at that young of an age make that kind of decision. Because that's such a Intense. horrible, huge thing. And it's, like, it, it's so sad and heartbreaking that yeah. a child that young would, you know, have those thoughts. That was me. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> um, no, it is, it is scary. Like, now me being 23 and, like, you know, it's over a decade and when I was 22 is when I killed myself. So like a decade later, like, Hey, it's still going on. Right. Um, and so I ended up also in sixth grade. I learned about self harm. Like, I don't, I don't want to trigger anybody, but, um, it's okay. I had a whole episode on it. So, I okay. Slay. So I would cut myself a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I actually like, learned about it because like tumblr was slay back then but i had a friend who did it and i was like she was like explaining it to me and being like well it can release the pain and like you know you can feel calm again which i wasn't feeling because i had so much anxiety mm. and so i was like oh period and she showed me she actually got like did it for me got a blade out of um like a razor to shave your legs and I was like, here. And I was like, and then the next day at school, she was like, how was it? 
she was like how did it feel and i was like always like this is kind of weird is it not Mm. like talking about it i don't know um and then i got addicted i got addicted did it feel Um, like it relieved that pain for you oh yeah i was like obsessed with the feeling in the blood like obsessed it was really really bad so that's when like i attempted suicide and how i did was um i ended up i wrote it down um yeah so i ended up stealing my grandma kago her meds from my mom's room um and she was at work so nobody knew um i can't remember what they were but i they were like really strong meds because like she was an old lady and i took four because i was like i don't know anything about suicide i just know i don't want to feel this pain anymore so you went into taking those pills like hoping that it would kill you yes okay yep and then quick question before you continue so i know you said your upbringing wasn't the best yeah so did you have any relationship like with your mom or dad or not really like do you think they had any ideas of like how you were feeling at all um you know my father he was drinking a lot and this is when my mom was drinking as well but she wasn't as bad as greg and how he still is that's what i call him Mm -hmm. um but i did have a relationship like they aren't divorced or anything and like you know we lived like a good life it's just there was so much trauma that like nobody really knew about and um i didn't also know what it meant the thing that molly's sister did to me when i was five and she was seven i didn't really know what it meant but um i think we can all guess (laughs) what i'm talking about yeah um and so i never brought it up but i was like wait i like kissing girls and so like we continued to do stuff um until i was 11 and that's when i found out oh shit that was that and so i told my mom and she like promised me she wouldn't tell their parents and so like after an hour talk i go back inside because we were in her car and then she comes back in like two hours and is like you can't talk to molly anymore I was like, huh? So you basically lost your best friend because of something that her sister was doing to you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, that's what broke me. And it was also hard because she promised me. Mm-hmm. And Greg grew up promising me things and would never keep them. So, like, that's when I kind of, that's when I snapped. And I also stopped uh, believing in God. We, you know, grew up going to church and Christian Ugh. no judgment but like ugh. um and so that was kind of like shoved down my throat so that was a really difficult thing like being so separated from my grandma kago and greg you know because me and my mom were more spiritual and like whenever we go to church i just played on my nintendo ds because i was like what the fuck is this shit like i'm bored <laughs> like so that was another way to like us being distant Mm -hmm. and then um no you're fine i was just asking um if if you thought that your parents knew like what you were going through like mentally 
I don't if that think helps so. at all to get you back on track. Yeah, no, thanks, man. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. No, I didn't know what it was, so I wasn't really talking about it. Yeah, you just knew that you felt super sad. Oh yeah, it was like down bad. Um, so after the attempt, when insects grabe, I ended up having to leave school because the anxiety was so high. And then after being spent in a week in a, a psych ward, um, which was awful, um, everyone was like, oh, where have you been? Why haven't you been here? Oh, I heard that you like tried to kill yourself and you like cut your wrists and stuff. I was like, I'm just here to do math. Like, I don't, I don't know. And it started getting to the point where I was just like, I can't do this. And luckily enough, my parents had money for me to do online school yeah so i started doing that um and it was good for a while um i did seventh and eighth grade and then in like going into ninth like high school um i finished all of my high school stuff in a little over a year so i graduated high school a month after i turned 16. so that process was really helpful for me um but it started getting to me like being home all the time alone because my parents would go to work I don't have any siblings um and so I started to kind of lose myself a little bit and I started like noticing things that would make me feel something um that like it's not really normal to feel as in starvation and um smoking weed and um that's how i formed an eating disorder and from then on because like i had completely given up god i was just like you're not helping me like i was out in the rain scream crying being like if you're fucking real help me because bitch i'm not okay Mm -hmm. and like nothing happened i was just like then why do I keep trying to talk to you if you're not going to help? Like, you haven't so far. Like, look at my life. I'm 12 and I just like, attempted suicide, you bitch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, at this point, starvation and started to smoke a lot of weed around 14, I think. And it was all shits and gigs. Like, it was fun for a while. Um, and it was fun until I got to 15 and like, I was just straight chilling. Like I started hanging out with like the underground scene in Nashville. So like I knew everyone, so it would all be like punk shows and shit. So anyways, back to like eating disorder. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I started hanging out around those people and being so young, I was like, oh, there's more weed and then there's more weed and then there's cigarettes and then there's a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, God, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is what my brain does. You're fine. Girl. If you want to backtrack, backtrack. Do whatever you need. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, back to like, um, this was around when I was, I was either 13 or 14. I really can't remember. It was such a blur. Um, was my second suicide attempt. And was that with the pills? Um, this one was with 20 Tylenols. Got it. Um, and it was because, again, not really knowing jack shit, because I'm a fucking child. Um, 
I read online, <laughs> so stupid, read online that um, that amount could kill a 110-pound young girl. And I was like, period, bitch. And so, yeah, I did it. And it was really traumatic because I was treating my friend like shit and telling them like each time I took a med, it was really bad. And so that one, uh, I ended up getting found. And I was so upset so I was like, oh, I was so close. I felt so close to just being like, bye. Like, I feel like I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I was. Yeah. But um, so I ended up having to you know the the er people come and the ambulance and shit and turns out um the guy that comes to the front door to like bring me on the stretcher and shit um the first thing he says to like his workers and like right in front of me was um uh he was like oh don't worry i know this girl like she's done it before she'll be fine i said Oh, so I should have taken 25 pills because that just made me want to fucking kill myself even worse. Bitch, who says that? Yeah. Like, oh my God, it's so fucked up. And he was like, hey, nice to see you again. I was like... So what, he had just come to your house before for like a previous attempt? Is that for the first one, okay. yeah. Yep. And so like, it was just an asshole. Like, Well, it's also just very unprofessional, but... Yes. Yeah. Like, girl, grow up. And fuck. clearly you're somebody, your child that needs help, so... Yeah, I did yeah. it for a reason. I wasn't just having fun, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so when I got to the ER, um, oh, driving in the back of an ambulance is awful. That, like, circle window on the back mm-hmm. and just, like, seeing you drive away from your house. Ugh. Um, so I got to the ER and I had to have, like, police pigs. <clears throat> Sorry. I had to have police, like, sitting in front of my door in the bathroom which was right next to it because i had to fucking drink charcoal like so much of it because my stomach was like um because i had taken so many so that they were trying to get you to throw up they were like um pretty much emptying my stomach instead of like a stomach pump Mm -hmm. it's like an easier way to do that um like a cleanse so i had to drink a bunch of that and uh i had to like go to the bathroom i was like liquid shitting and vomiting black like that was it for like i don't even know how long it was at least an hour and a half Mm. and it was so awkward because the cops were sitting right out front of the bathroom and i was like hey i'm back i have to shit my guts out give me a sec so embarrassing yeah it just made me feel like what the fuck am i doing and not in a way of like why did i do it it's in the way of like why didn't I do more? Because, like, what the fuck am I doing? I just attempted suicide, and now I'm having to walk in front of cops to shit black. Yeah. You know? So, after, like, an hour and a half of that, um, I had to go to the psych ward again. And I had to literally sit in the back seat of a cop car for four hours to go to this psych ward reminder i'm trying to i'm whole i'm grasping my asshole so i don't liquid vomit and shit everywhere and i'm like four hours bitch i'm tired mm-hmm. like i just took 20 tylenol you know what that would that does to a 13 year old like what the fuck 
So at this point, we get there and it was really fucking weird because as soon as I as soon as I walked into this space, um, I'm walking to the room to do like the full on body like ass naked bitches look like they're looking at my cootie hole like it was really uncomfortable but as i was walking in there like it was in a little room that everyone hangs out in and everyone was like looking at me like they had just seen a ghost like they were like and i was like "Uh i'm so severely uncomfortable and scared like i don't have my parents i don't have my cat Mm -hmm. and now i'm just here four hours away like there's no escape and they pretty much everyone was being like they were like um you're so pretty why are you here and i was like (laughs) well i attempted suicide and i have cuts all over my body and so it was very like dehumanizing walking in there because like i had long pastel pink hair and like really pale skin and very tumblr-esque and so everyone was just like dude you're gorgeous like what are you doing in a place like this like why did you do what you do you're so pretty i was like bitch i don't know like that doesn't matter to me when i'm taking 20 tylenols down in 10 minutes bitch like you think i'm thinking about my fucking long hair no like i'm thinking about death so i'm in there and like after i get my fucking cooter checked out it's like um they were doing this like circle meeting in that room and i was like oh no Mm. no 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 my anxiety was like "Mm -mm, mm -mm, i don't want to talk i don't i hate public speaking hate it biggest fear and so they're like no no no, come on tell us like tell us why you're here tell us this and that i was like "Eh, i don't know and I ended up having to, and I was like, I'm Brie, I'm a suicide, and I do self-harm. And people were still, even the guys were like, and I was just like, come on, mm-hmm. like, grow up. It also has nothing to do with what you look like. You know what I mean? It all has to do with what's going on mentally. Yeah. And I think that isn't something that people really realize. Yeah, take into consideration, mm-hmm. pretty much. So... I'm there for, I'm there for like eight days, I think. And um, most of the girls had crushes on me. And I was just like severely depressed. And I'm vegan and I was then too. So I was living off of like crackers and apple slices. And um, yeah, so they didn't let me call my parents until three days in. So I was just there alone. And that wasn't the first psych ward that you went to. This was the second. The first one was worse. But it wasn't the same place. Mm-mm. Okay. No. Um, Why did they want to send you so far away? Fuck if I know. That's crazy. I think it was because I... Oh, I had, honestly, I don't know. But no, I don't, I don't really know why. But I was just like, I don't really have any control. So I'm just going to do what they tell me yeah. to do. And just wait till it's over. And... So, yeah, I couldn't call my parents until three days in. Insanely uncomfortable. Just, like, out of body, pretty much. Um, And then I 
finally got to call them and my fucking psychiatrist there the therapist ass he was an asshole he was telling me to get rid of all my good friends because they're toxic i said huh they tell me that they love me and want me to stay alive no that's so toxic babes you're so right and when i finally did my parents were like crying on the phone and they were like let me talk to like the therapist or whatever and my mom went at it she was like listen here motherfucker Bree's grandma is dying Kago she was on her deathbed and I think that was just really adding to it as well because it was so much and I was seeing my mom in pain like so much pain and that is one of my biggest regrets is making her go through that you know not only dealing with her mom dying but her child trying to die you know that's a lot um so she was like, we don't know how long Kago has. Like, Brianna needs to get out. Ew, I just said my real name, gross. <laughs> um, that's so gross. Um, but yeah, she was like, Brianna needs to get out because we don't know when she's going to pass. And they were like, Mm-mm, can't do that. Like, the minimum is five days. And she was like, fine. And I would only get one call a day from then on. And no visitors at this one don't know why and um i met a lot of people in there there was a a little girl who tried to um burn her house down with her parents in it i said oh hey how old was she i think she was 11 jeez Mm -hmm. and it's like no judgment girl you've probably been through some shit and you probably like really need some help and she like had tampers temper tantrums all the time and like to the point where they would have to throw her in a padded room and she would be like screaming and shit like she was throwing chairs and i was like do i belong in here because like i just took 20 tylenols i'm not trying to murder people i don't know yeah um so how I finally, long were you in there for eight days okay mm-hmm. and i finally was able to leave and my parents like had my favorite soup it was egg drop soup they had it in the car and they were playing my favorite music and i just couldn't believe like when they said discharge i was so like out of my body that was just like there's no way like this is a dream and i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna be stuck here another day you know but it was real and then we had to drive back four hours and i don't remember the drive Mm -mm. my i completely had blacked out officially um and so then yes i like i said got into weed and hanging out more and then realizing oh my god like weed i'm i'm like not feeling the high as much anymore like you know jeebs (laughs) gravity bongs like normally you have like a two liter of like soda or whatever Mm -hmm. you cut it and you put water in it and then you have like a water bottle okay the bottom is cut and so you, in the lid, you put like a bowl, pack your weed in it and um, push it underwater. And then while you're lighting it, you pull up and it's just a bunch of smoke, like the biggest hit you can do. It got so bad that I was doing um, a gallon in a giant Home Depot bucket. And I would have to do at least two of those and maybe a blunt as well, just to go out in public. So it was like, 
Because it would help your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was great because Greg was my dealer. So, like, I was getting an ounce a month, sometimes two, because I was, like, smoking so much. And um, that's when I found out about the fun the fun stuff that I became a severe addict to, um, Xanax bars. Hey, um... Yeah, that was that was super fun. I was like, I remember taking my first one and being like, holy fuck, my anxiety completely gone, non-existent. Like I was good, you know, and like starting out, it was very chill. I was like, okay, I can hang out with somebody and not have an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, wonder what would happen if I took two. And then like you're at a party and it's like heavy metal music playing and someone offers you another one. Three don't three wouldn't hurt. And what was the difference like with the feeling between one and three? Um you're just not there. Okay. So one, when you were taking one, it just kinda helped your anxiety, but you mm-hmm. were still basically functioning. Yeah, I was, yeah. And then with three it's like you're you pretty much black out. Okay. And it's a huge medication to like you get memory loss like crazy so i don't remember a lot of my teenage years because after a while it started getting up to six a day um and you know that caused a lot of problems i would go to shows and like be the one to start the moshes because like i don't really feel anything and I sprained both my ankles twice because of it, but I didn't feel anything unless like I was having the come down and I don't have another bar. Um, and it was really, really, really difficult. I had, um, <clears throat> I had a seizure and cause I had decided to take, I was already high off two the night before and I woke up and took three and went out to smoke a cigarette with a little bit of weed on top. And I don't remember it. My mom told me, um, I had a seizure so bad that I fell out of the couch I was sitting on and hit my head on the concrete. So apparently I had to go to the ER and I got a concussion. This was when I was 16. And I remember for 10 days I couldn't take Xanax. And... (laughs) The sad thing is, is that I had been taking so much for so long at this point that the high never really fully went away. Yeah. Because, yeah, 10 days, like, I just took, like, within the last three days, probably, like, 15, 20. So, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I remember as soon as day 10 was done, right back to it. I remember as soon as I got it, I was like, oh. Yeah. Did you feel any withdrawals without having it or no? Just some anxiety. Okay. But like, no, not like shaking or any shit like that. Yeah. Thank God. Oh my God. It was really, really fucking difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. You would think after getting a fucking huge concussion at the age 16 because you're addicted to drugs would be like, okay, time to stop. It just got worse. It just got way worse. And... It got up to taking like eight to ten a day. Um, so I don't remember 
pretty much at all being 17. Like at all. I remember moments and a lot of those are from film. But I kind of just lost the age of 17 for myself. Which like, I don't know is a good or bad thing. Mm -hmm. But it's also like I try not to dwell on it because I can't change the past, right. you know. Um, so that also started, you know, because I was like, okay, I can't afford more, even though I'm getting the amount I'm getting. Like, that's fine because my dealer was in love with me. So I could like get him whenever I wanted to. And that's when um, heavy alcohol and cocaine got into the picture. Um because I just was hanging out with the wrong people, dude. And you know, the, my parents always said it was okay because they were, like, so toxic. But love them. Um, just being like, well, it's good to get all of this, like, partying and all these addictions out when you're a teen. So you don't have to deal with them when you're older and, like, have to be an adult. Which, like, I agree to an extent. But at the same time... I lost my fucking teenage years. Like, yeah. you know, most of them were spent disassociated from suicide attempts. And then the next was drug addict. So, like, you know. Um, so then the drinking and the cocaine started getting the picture. And I was severely anorexic. Because, like I said, Xanax makes you forget things. And I would forget to eat. So I was... At, um, I think at 16, like close to being 17, I think, maybe 17, um, I, um, literally forgot to eat and I was 83 pounds, 5'7", 83 pounds, like skin and bones, but I didn't see that because I would wake up and forget what I look like. You know, but it was fine because I knew I was, I have a party tonight. My friend's coming over and we're going to do some lines and drink a bottle of vodka, you know? So it wasn't like a huge thing, even though I loved it because eating disorder. So it just started getting to the point where I had completely lost myself, completely. I didn't know who I was, but I didn't care, you know? Um... And then after two years of being addicted to Xanax bars, um, I was like, dude, I need to quit. And the main reason why I thought that was because my best friend at the time, um, we had a big group of friends and um, I kind of just lost all of them, including my best friend, because they were tired of seeing me like always high, which I understand. But it was at the time where I was trying to quit. And so they left, you know, and I don't hate them now anymore. Like I'm over it, but I did for a while because I was like, so now I have to do this on my own. I'm 17 and I have to quit a severe drug addict addiction uh, on my own, which I did. It took a couple months, um, but then in like early 2008 well like getting no it was like summer 2018 um I was I had quit and everything um yeah at that time it was just like I was still drinking okay because 
getting off Xanax, I still need to feel something high. Like I'm an addict. So uh, the drinking was pretty intense. Um, and I wasn't doing cocaine like all night, all day anymore. Um, so I've been sober from Xanax for over five years now. Good job. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, everything was fine uh, for a little bit. I did get into a really toxic relationship, though. Um, I was in love. And it really started to fuck me up a bit because we were really toxic. And it started getting to my head where my eating disorder was getting bad again. And smoking, smoking insane amounts of cigarettes and like taking shots of like those mini shots of fireball, at least six while I'm driving an hour to his house. Um, and it was, it was rough because I was like, well, I need to be addicted to something. I need to feel something. If I'm not going to feel that high anymore, I need something. Yeah. Um, I have an addictive personality. It's just fun stuff. So then, yeah, that went on early 2019. We broke it off for a little bit, and that's when I got back into cocaine heavy. Cocaine, just drinking every night and every day was... We were either at night at our dealer's house or um, partying. And at this time, my best friend that I mentioned before had come back um, because I was like, I'm clean. And they were like, oh, my God, slay. Um, so that was really nice, but we just got back into it. Severe eating disorder. Uh, every time we would get hungry, we would do a line. Um, and if we did eat, we instantly go smoke a cigarette. So we shit it out like instantly. Um, and I was addicted to working out. So I was like fit. I was fit, but I was way too skinny. And, um, back into cocaine heavy drinking poppers was like a huge thing back then so fucking lame and what is that um it's like an inhaling it's kind of it's like nail polish remover honestly okay. but it's it's not it's like poppers it's just an inhalant that you sniff really hard and then you like for two minutes you just feel completely numb and hot and then it goes away mm-hmm. yeah it's a very temporary thing okay. um but it felt great when you were dancing and moshing you know mm-hmm. Um, so that went on all of 2019 and then in 2020, my ex, the toxic one called me back and was like, I need help. Come here. He had completely lost his mind, shaved his head, like bald. Um, and we ended up just falling right back into it. Like we did before with toxic. We were together again for a while he started to really like lose it like really lose it and it was hard to watch but it like and I was starting to I stopped doing cocaine so I started um drinking wine heavily and just eating like shit I was depressed I would stay in my room in the dark and watch Bates Motel for the second time like great show by the way yeah I love that (laughs) I was like I'm gonna sit down and watch it constantly no matter what um I would always have my big mason jar of white wine um a mason jar of vegan chocolate milk and um like a fucking 
a vegan Whopper from Burger King every night. I was just like disgusted in myself. I it was I was so depressed because I had gained um, thirty five to forty pounds within a couple months, mm-hmm. um, or maybe like a year, something like that. And I was just like, "Fuck, I feel like shit." You know, every time I would go to therapy, I was wearing this giant oversized black hoodie, even when it was 109 degrees outside. I was like, I don't want anyone to see my body, but my cheeks, this girl, you could see it in my cheeks. Like they were like, I'm not even like exaggerating Yeah. because there's so much fucking sugar and wine and that's why I don't touch it no more. So that's what you get from being severely addicted to box wine, like yeah. finishing a box in a day and a half. Wow. So like, girl, we were spending thousands cause like I was under 21. So my parents were buying it. Um, and it's fine now, guys. It's fine now. Everything's fine. <laughs> Don't report us. I'm 23 now. We're fine. <laughs> so, went through that. Severely depressed. Obviously, bad things here and there. And then in 2021, I got COVID and was bedridden for months. And I ended up losing. Sorry, my earrings, like banging i ended up losing 35 pounds and i was i looked like i was dying like my hair was turning gray like literally gray and um my cheeks were like completely like like indented um i looked like i was dying the like brown circles under my eyes was mm-hmm. crazy and um so i lost all the weight and that was from having covid mm-hmm. yeah because i couldn't eat if i did i would throw it up on accident like i, I wasn't doing it on purpose yeah. you know and um so then i like got my confidence back i was like i'm over it like even though i did get heart problems from it i'm like skinny that's where my brain was at and i was like oh my god i'm finally skinny again like i'm hot like because that toxic mindset when you're skinny you're hot Mm -hmm. you know just toxic and um so i started getting back into partying in 2022 um drinking severely um i mean i was still drinking before but like it got worse again and um i was going to raves because like i didn't have any more punk friends they'd all left that's what i grew up going to like punk shows Mm -hmm. and um so i was like well this is something to do i found new people like i just want to party I I started getting back into cocaine. So like you do three lines and you go dance in a rave with like um, flashing lights and doing poppers. Like how fun at 21, you know? So then I kind of, well, then I went back to some punk shows and I broke my leg. <laughs> hey, thank God I was blackout drunk because mm-hmm. They would have said, like, that shit hurt him. Yeah. Like, when I broke it. So, have to get that fixed. And then I was bedridden for four months. And during this time, like, I... Oh, my God. I completely skipped past the part where I killed myself. Probably, like, <laughs> the reason that I'm here. <laughs> I was going to say, when you said 2022, I'm like, wait, when did wait, this happen? Wait, 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 wait. I did kill myself then. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah summer was all this partying okay and this is still after when you had covid uh yeah okay yeah it was um last summer and um 
I, you know, like I said, I started hanging out with people that were great. I still am friends with them, obviously. Like, they're great. But we were having a night of drinking. And, you know, my friend, she was there and she doesn't do any type of that shit because she's fucking smart and a grown bitch. Um, and, but my other friend there, you know, is really into drugs. Um, and so we were just drinking a lot. Sadly, it was White Claws. Yes, I am embarrassed to admit that because, so they were there for a little bit and then they left around, I think like six or 7 a.m. Cause we'd been partying all night. And so I was like really drunk and, but I was like there mentally. And I remember just like feeling everything that I've felt in sadly in my childhood and in my teen years all at once. Something happened, like something switched. And it was just like, oh fuck. Like I'm just trying to cover up my pain with these fucking white claws. Like, I, that's why I was partying so much, doing drugs. Like, it's an easy fix, temporary fix, but it's easy. Um, I just thought, why don't I just do it now? Why don't I just do it right now? So I was like, I don't want to be here. What's stopping me, you know? And it was a really quick thought. And I remember I, I just was like, fuck it fuck it maybe like a five minute thought um and so what i did was again sorry mom even though you know this now again snuck into her room while she was sleeping and i took um fuck i don't even think i remember what it was i think it was hydrocodone i think or maybe no it was trazodone i think which I now have to take for insomnia. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm pretty sure it was that. And I remember like tiptoeing and um, getting back to my room and the sunlight was out and I had the pill bottle and I just remember pouring a bunch into my hand. They were really small circular blue pills. Um, And I was just looking at a handful, like a mountain in my hands and just being like, just looking at it and being like, holy shit, like what I'm holding in my hand right now is going to kill me. And I was just like, fuck it. I've tried so many times and it's, I'm still sad. I'm still in pain. Like nothing has gotten better. It's just gotten worse downhill, like snowball effect. And I smiled and I downed the whole bottle. There was 60 in there. Um, and I was chasing it with alcohol. Um, and I remember after I took them instantly started getting drowsy, but I was so, so excited. Like I was so fucking excited. I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to go away. Like I'm going to be resting like get a break i never get a break my life is fucking hard like it's never been easy ever um so i was just so excited that's the main thing i was feeling (sighs) 
give me a sec (laughs) i was just so excited and um i remember trying to write notes and which was really weird because i had written over 100 suicide notes since i was literally like 10 maybe 11 so it was weird that i didn't just take all of those out because it was like all of my thoughts for 10 years you know um because i was 21 at this point and i remember trying to write and like my hand was just all over the place i was like okay i'm starting to lose like feeling in my hand and i was like fuck yes like finally and um i wrote and i don't remember exactly what i said but i remember in the one for greg i called him dad don't do that haven't done that since i was a kid so i was like i really hope this doesn't just eat him alive but like love you dad (laughs) sorry um and i was just fucking out of my mind and i put um a couple pieces of my favorite art on the bed like this was all spread out and like a photo of me and my mom i don't know why maybe it was like my own memorial to myself or something you know i don't know but it just felt right in the moment but i also was like losing my mind because i'm fucking high off pills and drunk um uh so that was at 8 a.m when i did that and i was just laying in bed and apparently i looked like i was sleeping because my parents woke up at least this is what they told me and a couple hours later and they looked in my room to make sure i was good and they thought i was just sleeping um and so they left the house and didn't come back until 2 p.m uh my mind i only know this because she's told me bitch i was not there mentally obviously and i had been somehow completely ass naked laying on my bed on top of all the notes curled up in like the fetal position and my mom is like are you good and she said i was extremely slurring my words like wasn't making sense and she just thought i was like drunk again and this was at 2 p.m yes Mm -hmm. she just thought i was wasted again so she was like just try and get some sleep baby and i was like and then she started to walk back and she hit the pill bottle on the ground she was like fuck no are you kidding me and um she instantly called 911 and they got here she said in four minutes and um apparently at that moment she said i was like crying um and then i just died i just died crying um and I don't remember anything, but what I do know from what I learned from the nurses and my parents was they brought me into the ambulance on a stretcher. Obviously, bitch, I'm, I'm like, no, let me walk. I'm good. Um, and they were like telling my parents, like, go down to the end of the street. You don't want to see this. Trust me. And um, they had to do the defibrillator on me. Um, I was 100% dead. I was just gone and oh, I was so fucking excited. I miss it. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I miss it. But um, 
yeah so they didn't did the defibrillator i don't know if that brought me back or not um but the next thing i know like the last thing i remember is laying on that bed smiling while i feel myself fading away and i was fucking listening to um wild wildflower wildfire something like that by lana del rey mm-hmm. can never listen to that song again and i was just smiling i was like i feel me fading away so that that's all i remember then i remember waking up in the icu later on and i legitimately thought i was in hell because one where the fuck am i it looks like a hospital and i don't like hospitals and so my first thing was to say mom because i was like where am i I was like so i tried to say mom and it was like and that's when i knew oh my god i'm in hell because nothing was coming out there's no voice nothing i was like what the fuck like i didn't want to go to hell this fucking sucks um and then i roll over and i see mom and it's like the epitome like in the movies when someone's like opening their eyes and it's all blurry at first you know it was that because like just came back to life turns out i had been on life support for pretty much all day um in the icu and the reason why no voice came out was because they had that giant tube down my throat um which you just can't do anything they were doing that because i wasn't breathing on my own obviously my heart had completely stopped (sighs) so they i remember they had to tell me they cannot get this tube out of my throat until I can learn how to breathe again, like on my own, which forgot, just not a thing, especially when there's a fucking giant tube inside you, like, hello. Um, and it's really hard, too, because I was laying on my back and there's nowhere for your saliva to go. So, like, I kept having to, like, swallow it, try to. And, like, every time I would, my tongue would move and it would move the tube. Because it was, like, taped to my face type shit. And every time it moves, the timer restarts. Because I have to breathe on my own for 30 minutes to be able to get it out. It took me, like, an hour um, until I actually was, like, got the 30 minutes. But I remember, like, I was crying and trying to scream because I was, like, I can't fucking breathe all I want to do is say mom, like, say mom. It's all I wanted. That was the first thing I did when I came back to life. Um, and I remember at some point it was so bad and so miserable that I, they gave me a whiteboard and I was like, can barely do it. But I was like, PTP. And they were like, huh? And I was like, and they were like, oh, pull the plug. I had literally been like, pull the plug. I can't do this. Like, I feel like I'm dying, but not how it felt before. Like, this is fucking miserable. And um, they're like, well, we can't do that. We can't do that. Or else, like, you're going to be dead. And obviously, we don't want that. I was like, but I do. I did it for a reason. Like, the fuck? 
So when you woke up, were, did you feel like you were upset that it didn't successfully happen? I was upset that they brought me back because mm-hmm. I had finally gotten a break. Yeah. I finally, like I wrote down a really bad, third time's a charm, um, just awful, but like, fuck it, whatever. Um, I was upset because I was like, you know, I just recently started getting over this feeling of getting mad at my mom because I was like, that's so selfish because like I had finally succeeded. I was dead. Like I killed myself and it was like the best feeling ever. Like trying to describe death is hard, but it it was, it just, it was nice. Um, like, I guess for me who wanted to die, um, so I finally, I have never focused as hard in my entire life, but for 30 minutes, I was just letting my mouth fill with saliva, not moving, trying to breathe on my own for 30 minutes. I was like, my eyes were shut. I was squeezing the fuck out of my mom's hand. And I was like, okay, just keep going. Just keep going. You have to push through this so you can get this bitch out of you. So difficult. And then it hits 30 minutes. And they're not doing anything. My mom's like, eh, 30 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. Bree's done it, the fuck? And it took them another five minutes to get it out. Like, to even come back to get it out. I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Like, am I sure I'm alive? Like, this is fucking hell. Like, I was chilling when I was dead. And now I get brought back and this is what I instantly have to go through. You see how that can like be so upsetting. It it was. I was so irritated and angry and disappointed and upset. Because it was like that's all I wanted. I've wanted this since I was literally eleven years old. And um. The feeling like the best way I could describe. Death for me, I didn't go anywhere I didn't see anybody it was just all black but it wasn't like you're there seeing black it was was um it was just your being there like just you like your soul and there is no negative or like extremely happy feeling it is complete peace that that at least for me it was complete peace and everything was calm and I was finally like happy I was like finally content and calm and at peace for the first time in my entire life and um it it, it was just uh, really upsetting that I got taken from that it was the only break I've ever gotten in my entire life and I got taken from it um but finally they get the tube out and it was oh my god top three most painful things i've ever gone through i'm sure you had to like cough really hard and um while you're doing that the tube is like down to like your belly button so obviously you can't cough hard enough for all that to come out so now you're like you can't breathe and you're gagging while they're still pulling it out and it is like scratching your throat up my chest and collarbones are in excruciating pain from the defibrillator 
Like it was so hard to breathe. Like not only relearning how to, but hey, oh my fucking God, my chest hurts. Felt like my collarbones had been broken. And um, I was there and I was able to say mom. And it was like the most like distorted, scratchy, fucked up voice. Didn't even sound like me. But I got to finally say it out loud. And I just started bawling. Because like hearing me say mom. I had waited like two hours. And I was like, oh, slay. Like, that was really nice. Um, and that's when like, um, I had realized I've been strapped down to the bed. Because apparently in my sleep, I was trying to pull the tube out. Um, because like, yeah, it's your body's natural reaction. Like, it's fucking giant down your throat. Like, you know? And so I was like going, I was lifting my arms to give her a hug. And it's just, I was like, okay, so I am, am I in hell? What the fuck is going on, dude? And, um, I was like, well, what is this? She was like, yeah, you were trying to take the tube out. I was like, yeah, duh. Like, I don't remember it, but like, yeah. And they finally undid my wrist and they were covered in bruises. Like the bruise was so gnarly. It was like mainly black. Um, and I got to hug my mom and then that's when the anger started to kick in because like hadn't been taking my meds for two days because I was dead. Like you can't just open your mouth, swallow. Um, and that was when I, it just, it settled in where I was like, you fucking took me out of my one only kind of peace I've ever had. And it it was probably the most anger I've ever felt in my entire life. And I was being an asshole, but like, understandably, I just came back and this is what I'm going through. Um, and they were just trying to calm me down. And Greg was like crying. You never see him cry. And um, I couldn't drink or eat anything because my throat was rubbed raw. And... I had like a catheter in me. They had to take that out. I was like, that bitch hurt it too. Um, but I was just there and I was just kind of out of it. I was so tired, but I couldn't sleep because I have insomnia and they wouldn't let me. I, I wasn't prescribed trazodone at that point. Um, so... I had to just be there. I had to spend the night because they were like, hey, you can't do anything. I couldn't walk. I had to relearn how to walk. Um, I had to relearn how to move my toes. Um, and um, I had to relearn a lot of things. And how long did that take, that stuff? Relearning? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe two days. Yeah. Yeah, like two days. Um, hell on earth. And so, like, I was also, like, shitting my fucking guts out. Like, I don't remember why. I think they had cleansed my body, probably. Mm. Um, I was just shitting my guts out, which was so annoying. Because, like, any time I felt any of it, I would have to get up. And they would put the, like, seat next to my bed, you know? Um, But, like, getting up was so painful. And I had so much stuff attached to me, like, all over. Um, And... 
and it was really hard to pee through the catheter. Uh, I don't know why my body was just like rejecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, I'm there overnight. My parents have to leave. But before Greg left, obviously he made another promise. Take a gander. Never happened. Just like usual. Um, still hasn't to this day, which is whatever. I'm not surprised. And I remember finding out what really like went down in more detail and how I figured out that I had fully died and had to do the defibrillator um, by this nurse that it was his night shift. He was fucking awesome. I don't remember his name fully, but I know it started with a J and he was very comfortable around me. We were having really nice talks. He had given me a melatonin shot and melatonin meds doesn't work on me. Like my insomnia is insane. So I was just up all night talking to him and like I would eat popsicles to calm my throat and I was just like hey like why does my chest hurt so bad and like it was hard to breathe like it hurts so bad he's like well they had to use the defibrillator on you and I was like oh that would make sense I was like so did I actually die and he was like yeah you you were 100% dead and I was like, okay, it's a very bittersweet knowledge to have um, because it's, 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 it hits harder when, like, the actual nurse that helped you, like, says it. And um, so we were just talking overnight and never got to sleep. But the next day, my parents come and we had to talk to a psychiatrist, obviously, but it was like on zoom and it was like this giant tv they had brought over the bed and i was like hey like barely can talk and um i'm trying not to cry my my parents are instantly crying and just um they we all knew that i cannot go back to a psych ward i can't because it never if anything it just made me feel worse Mm -hmm. um so we put on the face that we're really good at which is everything's okay and we are okay we're really good at doing that um and my parents were crying but we were all just like it was an accident it was an accident and he was like how do you accidentally take 60 meds and i was like my mom was coming up with some bullshit story but what are you gonna do and Uh, after a long chat and I was like yeah I'm gonna change my life like I'm gonna change my life like everything's gonna be good um so we didn't have to go oh big relief and then we go home and I was I don't really remember a lot honestly like I have I have brain damage from it because you know um I remember, like, I would have a lot of coughing going on, obviously, and because what had happened was the tube, when they're taking it out, the edges of it scratch your inside of your throat, Mm -hmm. and so it takes off a lot of skin in there, and so I would cough, and, like, pieces of skin would come out, like, from my throat. 
I hope you guys never have to feel that texture. It was vile. Um, and so that was happening a lot. And I was like, what the fuck? Because mm-hmm. I didn't know. But we found out. And um, yeah, I don't remember a lot, but. And this was all in 22, you said? Uh, in 22, okay. yeah. And it was in, it happened on August 21st. Okay. Um, so my birthday isn't until October. So at this point, I was still 21. Um, and then a couple months later, um, it comes my birthday. And I was like falling in love at the time with this other guy. And so everything was seeming good. It was my birthday and we went to a waterfall and I had my friends like everyone was like here for me and everyone was really, really grateful that I'm still here. And in my head, in the back, I'm like, well, I'm not Mm -hmm. like I still miss it to this day. That feeling Um, just complete and utter euphoria. Um. Yeah, and so then everything was all right, but got back into drinking. And that partner that I had at that time was really toxic. And so that was really fucking fucking me up. And also, like, he, he was poly, so he had a wife. And I'm not poly, babes. So that was really fucking me up for a while. And then um, that is when... It was in November of last year is when I broke my leg. So I was better in for four months, had to do PT. And um, all I knew how to get rid of the pain was liquor because I'm allergic to like every pain med there is except for like Tylenol and ibuprofen, which bitch, that's not going to help my like broken leg. So like lots of gin was being drank, drunken. Consumed. Yeah, yeah, that's a better <laughs> word. I'm like drunken, drinking. <laughs> but um, um, obviously got horrible PTSD from it. So like just being stuck in bed and like nothing to do at all. Like I had to use a walker. Um, just drinking and then just like watching youtube and like movies and it started to get to me with the toxicity of the relationship and the nightmares i always had nightmares but they had gotten like extremely worse over time from you know suicide and being stuck alone for so long and like not really knowing what to do mm-hmm, right um your brain kind of takes over and that's what happened and then slowly and slowly the nightmares have gotten worse and worse i still have them every night because it's called ptsd um are your nightmares about the suicide or are they just about they're about um reasons why i committed suicide okay yeah um things that just eat me up a lot of it is the mental hospitals the psych wards Mm -hmm. a lot of them is in that and just feeling trapped and like there's no escape um that's a big one for me and yeah then i um relearned how to walk 
and stuff. I'm still working on getting like my balance good and stuff. But I can't believe that was a year ago. Holy shit. Feels like two months ago. Yeah. Um and things were getting better. I broke up with my partner. Um and like I had a partner with that like trying to be poly, but like I just couldn't hurt too bad. Um and you know, I went I started going to play. Um it's a gay bar in Nashville and um it's like a club and like I was just vibing, you know, like slowing it down on the drinking. Um still drinking, but like you know, me like com- like now compared to a year ago bonkers i don't touch yeah. i don't touch liquor and so unless i'm like we're at play or something like oh have a margarita or like we're going out to la siesta our favorite mexican restaurant and um but yeah like i i don't keep liquor in the house anymore like it got so bad girl in 2019 i was taking 20 shots of vodka a day and i was taking like five to ten ibuprofens a day and doing cocaine and partying so much i got stomach ulcers like severe yeah and everyone was like you have to stop drinking i was like no yeah for sure i mean i'm an alcoholic that you can't just like cold turkey bar right and it's like yeah i don't know it helps my anxiety and like i want to go party Mm -hmm. and like someone's gonna offer me a beer like you know um and now um i'm like it, it was last it was yeah this year this summer i met andy and um it was kind of like instant just like love Mm -hmm. and um things have been it's been not it's a little bumpy it's been eight months now crazy um and things have been a lot better he's very supportive and knows me a lot with my ptsd and you know like i'll have nightmares where i'll scream in my sleep or kick or talk which i don't remember but andy's there to come for me and help me and um it's really nice because you know my my other partners you know andy lives with me and my other partners didn't and they lived in nashville so they were really far away it's like you have more of support now yeah i'm like secure Mm -hmm. and um you know obviously it's been over a year since my death um but i still i'm not gonna lie i still have like some hatred in my heart and like every now and then i will miss it and i'm just like let me go back but i'm like i'm gonna hurt everyone right just for my peace like that would be the most selfish Mm -hmm. you know um so even though i have those thoughts um i don't do it Mm -hmm. i've been clean from self-harm for over a year um i was clean for a little bit then i broke whatever but i'm clean right now Mm -hmm. haven't done that i don't fuck with that shit because i already have enough scars girl i'd rather have some more tattoos than that so that's what i do i tattoo myself instead (laughs) there you go yeah and um pretty much it was it was a really hard time in my life Mm -hmm. it was it was it was tough and the craziest thing too is like 
how badly I wanted it didn't hurt me. Like, I don't have, like, that wasn't the biggest pain in my entire life. My biggest pain was losing Chantel, my cat that looks like, yeah. Um, and, like, which is crazy because normally that would be, like, the biggest trauma of your entire life is committing suicide. Um, but it wasn't. And, and I think for you, you felt like you were doing it to take away all this pain that you were feeling. Yeah, so, for a, like a decade. Yeah. It was something that I wanted. Have you talked to like a therapist or anyone about the things that have happened in your childhood? Oh, yeah. Do you feel like that's helped you at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to therapy ever since the first attempt. Okay. Um, in psychiatry. But you don't feel like that has numbed any of the pain of what's happened? Oh, no, that didn't. Because okay. I, I had been through a lot and I had to like lose two that I was like really like loving. Yeah. Um, But in 2018, when I was getting off Xanax, I got to my therapist right now, Jill. She's fucking awesome. I've been yeah. with her since then. And um, she knows me a lot. And yeah. we're really, we're really, we're vibing. Right. And life is, is always bumpy. You know, it's like some days we're good, some days we're not. Yeah. And I think it depends on our mood and what we're going through and what's You're happening. You're telling me it was you great. Know, <laughs> what's happening that day. But I think that it seems like at this point in your life that you are, well, you're very, you're extremely self-aware. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Which is so important. Yeah. Um, and it's sad that it's like no one can take that pain away. Like not even yourself, you know? And it's, yeah. it's shitty and it's horrible. And, but I think that it's good that you realize though that there are so many people that care about you. Yeah. And that taking yourself away from them, you know, it, it would hurt them and you don't want to yeah. hurt them. Right. Um, but it's like, no one can sit there and, and speak and be like, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, or like, is right. it, no one is feeling what you're feeling. Right. You know what I mean? But I'm glad that you're alive and that you yeah, came and shared thanks. your story. No, yeah. Um, I'm really happy about it. Thanks. Like, yeah. I was really excited when I got the email and you were like, we would love to have you show. I was like, because I was like, I'm just going to email for shits yeah. and gigs. Like, there's no way. And the thing is, too, is, and this is something that I say to every one of my guests, but there's always somebody that can relate and that feels what you've felt. Right. So you coming on here is definitely going to touch multiple people and make I them hope. feel like they're not alone. You I know? really, really hope so. Because like, if you've been through this, like I know the feeling, mm -hmm. but I'm glad you're here too. Um, because like, obviously it just shows that I do have a purpose here. Um, I have a meaning. Yep. And, um, there's a lot more moments in life now where I'm just kind of grateful that I'm here. Yeah. There's a lot of things to see. Right. Like, a lot of things to do. And there's so many things to give love to. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, your animals and, I know. you know, your partner, all these things. It's like, and your family. And I think that sometimes it can be really challenging to love ourselves. Right. But, like, I feel like, for me at least, too, like, I get so much fulfillment of, like, giving love to other things. Same. You know? Same. And I think that that... That holds a big place. Yeah, because so. like, deep down, like helping other people really brings a, a, a warm feeling yeah. inside yourself. So it's like everyone's winning here, mm -hmm. you know? I love that. Like, that's what I do. And I love animals a lot. So, mm -hmm. like, I go to, like, my nearest shelters and just hang out, give them love a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I just, all in all, I do think my main reason for being here is helping a lot of people. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. 
And now I'm just also trying to put myself first in a lot of things too, because I never did that before. Right. And you're still so young. (sighs) 23. (laughs) You're young. You have time. And I think that like every day and every year is going to be like a new journey for you and you're going to learn something different and learn yourself more. And I feel like you're just finally starting to like learn who you are today, which is important because Um, I think that when you experience so much trauma, it can strip all that away from you for a long time. Hell yeah. And it's like, I like to think of like a a new beginning. Like I was, I was literally reborn. Yeah. What I like to say is I am indeed a zombie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't came back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, I have a lot of time and I'm not taking anything for granted um sometimes it's hard because ptsd will kick it and i'll disassociate a lot but Mm -hmm. getting better at getting myself out andy helps me a lot with that so yeah i'm i'm not as nearly upset as i was then to be alive well that's good and you did so amazing Ah, thank you thank you so much seriously for wanting to come share your story no thank you for wanting me to come on no of course you did such a good job 